Hey everyone, this podcast is with Tom and Nick. We chatted about all sorts of things and just like the economy, this podcast was all over the place. But mainly we chatted about just when are interest rates gonna come down. We dove deep into why rates are still going up, what the leading indicators are that will predict when they come down and what you can do about it all. Nobody I've met yet is able to break down the economy and real estate market down for local Ontario real estate investors better than Tom or Nick. I and many of you listening have been using these guys' understanding of what's happening in the markets to base many of my investment decisions on for some time now. But did you know that three times a year at Rockstar's Your Life, Your Terms events, Tom and Nick do a complete deep dive presentation sharing all the latest data they're watching to base their own investment decisions. Tom does a Rockstar economic update, Nick a local real estate market update, and both presentations have become a thing of legend and the highlights of these Your Life, Your Terms events that drive hundreds of people out to come see them three times a year. You leave these presentations having a much deeper understanding of what's happening in the global economy and local real estate market and how to position yourself to benefit from it all. Full ticket price on some of these past events for non-members has been as high as $500. But as a Rockstar Inner Circle member, these events are completely free for you to come out and even bring guests for free as well. If you want to check out what these Your Life, Your Terms events look like that Rockstar members get full access to for themselves and their guests, go to rockstarinnercircle.com, watch the video on the homepage, explore the website, you'll get an idea of it all. Hundreds of local active investors attend these events. The last one had over 900 people come out and we're expecting to break a thousand plus people at the next event happening on October 14th, 2023 in Mississauga. This is going to be our biggest and baddest Your Life, Your Terms event ever. Tom's presenting his economic update, Nick, the local market update, and we have four other insane guest speakers planned that we'll be announcing soon. Stay tuned for that. If you're interested in this upcoming event, go to rockstarinnercircle.com, watch the video and explore the website to learn more about how we help Canadians live life on their own terms. Now, onto the podcast. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Start recording. Are we recording? We're recording. Oh, great. Hey, so what's your uh, what is your title here at Rockstar? I, We're trying to figure out what you do. Drifter. Drifter. <laughs> yeah, you buy properties. I'm the guy that nobody knows what he does, but I just somehow get to. How stay. did you get yourself into this role? I don't know. I used to listen to this podcast. What do you mean you used to listen to it? Before I got hired here. I used to listen to this. Shit, we were running this before you got hired? It's here? been a while now. Holy shit. I'm 2019. La- I'm laughing because Anthony was supposed to kind of kick this one off, but right away Tom just jumps in because he can't let anyone else take control. Tom's got to be the host. Yeah. yeah. No, so, I'm very should, happy. Should I'm we very happy that you're doing podcasts. We should. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. It'll make him feel more comfortable. <laughs> now, as long as I get a bit of time to talk about interest rates, I don't need anything else in life. No, it's funny. So I was listening to this podcast and it was during the interview process and, uh, I was like stretching or something in my basement. My brother walked by and it was the intro for this podcast. You know how it's still super ridiculous? Like the <laughs> yeah, Fiverr intro what? or whatever. We need to change that. Man. It's only been about, we've said we're going to change it for at least what, five years? Yeah. Like but now years. people love it. Like people no. have it memorized. We can't change it. No, now. I think we need to change it's it. It's distortion. brutal. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. The distortion's off. But, uh, so my brother walks by, he hears the intro and he's like, he's like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, yeah. these are the guys I'm like trying to get a job with. I wrote that intro <laughs> out. I wrote the words for the intro and then we outsourced it to yeah. Fiverr. So he started chirping me or the pie or something. And I was just like, if I don't get this job, Michael, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> it's not a funny joke. Only f- I was joking, but I was so miserable at Pepsi. I got the job. I'm still here. Yeah. yeah it was no. never that serious. But 
that. <laughs> you just made this all serious. I just had a flashback to Pepsi on that picture you showed us with the forklift where you tipped it and all the cans or whatever. No, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. It would oh, get you so would... hot in the warehouse in the summer that the plastic would bend on some of the softer plastic, like one liter bottles, and the pallets would just collapse. No, but didn't you drive a forklift? And I, I had some big spills, yeah. But that <laughs> okay, one- but you just said it wasn't you. <laughs> that one wasn't me. But the picture you showed me wasn't wasn't you. That one wasn't oh, me. Okay. That was like a God. stage 10 fucking disaster. Okay. Yeah. There must've been some good things about Pepsi. Is the coffee good? Oh, no, there wasn't much. I got paid, I graduated debt free. Free that coffee. Was, that was a good thing. Uh, yeah, but it, it wasn't good coffee. Wasn't, so you were, work, wasn't you were working yeah. part-time during school? Full-time. Full-time during school? Full-time? During school. Oh, wow. Good for you. Full-time. Wow. It was a hard program, eh? <laughs> really? really? I was on the your, front page hey, of the Toronto you're Star. You're really man. pushing yourself on that program. That's right. He was on the Toronto Star. Do you remember? Front, front page. Yeah. That was a front page. You, you have that thing framed. Yeah. For there sure. was a mass shooting that day. So that was the main one. And then I'm underneath smiling. Oh, God. That's, yeah. how, that's how you remember it. <laughs> yeah. Why were you yeah. on the front page? I don't. Uh, they thought it was a good story. That was the story about you in real estate? That was about me asking, how do I yeah. graduate and buy a house? I'm working full time. I was looking for free financial advice. Oh my God, that's the best because they actually have the same, like the that's same, the same question right now. Yeah. So what is the answer for everyone listening? How do you graduate school and buy a house? It was invest in mutual funds. No, no. We know that's the oh, wrong answer. Oh, how do I We know that's do the it? wrong answer. Oh God. What's the right answer? Yeah, try to graduate debt-free, partner up with some friends, buy a property. Yeah. Live within your means. Yeah. You don't have to shop at yeah. Lulu. If when you're, when you're 21, you don't have to shop at uh, Louis Vuitton or, you know, oh those my God. places. Or. And, and was buying the properties, because now you've done that and you have multiple properties now, is it producing what you wanted it to produce? For sure. Mm -hmm. In what way? Equity? Equity. Cash, yeah. Is there a cash flow? Uh, one of them is a cash flow. Whoa. The unicorn. Other, unicorn. Yeah. One of them is a cash flow, but that's because I'm on three variable rates and I refinance them to the hilt in 2022. Oh, you, you've owned them long enough. You could already refinance. Two of them. Two of them. I've it wasn't long. He owned them for like 12 months. Yeah. He was able to refinance. Yeah, it was, that, it was that 2019 time. then 2021, 2022. And hopefully So you're this not week. allowed to cry about cash flow negative if you refinanced and pulled the money out. No. Okay. Nor would I. You're not crying. Yeah. To be fair, yeah, he, he, he complained. And that we have to give you credit for. You kind of came in here and I've always just attacked anything in front of you. You've been really great at that. Like whether it's doing podcasts like this or going out buying properties, engaging with rock star members, really a testament to you. But you've so done. We know we don't have to blow your ego. This is uh, yeah. very. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's really been impressive to watch you in because essentially you stalked us to work here. Mm -hmm. So that went from who the hell is the guy at the front that won't leave when we asked Christina to tell the person at the front to leave mm -hmm. and you didn't leave that was really the turning point yeah yeah my advice to anyone young is find someone who's doing what you want to be doing in life and work a way in just do anything you can for them it's funny because that's and then that, fucking eventually sit in their chair and then eventually replace them <laughs> just not force them out <laughs> Perfect. What yeah. a plan. It's work. I just won't leave the podcast room. That's how I'm always on here now. Now it's the podcast room. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's no longer Tom's office. Oh my God. Well, we're getting requests and we had to, yesterday we had two people email us to rent it. They're like, mm -hmm. Hey, can I rent the podcast studio? Have you seen oh, those wow. emails yeah. yet? Yeah. 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 So yeah. Someone this week asked yeah. to film some content here. I think we have the answer. We can talk about that offline, but uh, yeah. So you're doing this and anything else on the properties that was trickier than you thought? Just the stress. It's been stressful. You yeah, had to it's evict been stressful. Did you have to evict somebody already? Yeah. Well, we did cash for keys, but they, okay. they didn't pay us for four months before that. We paid them $6,000 to leave. They didn't pay for four months and you paid them $6,000. Yeah. They oh, were hoarders. There's, we emptied five full dumpsters worth. 
If you do cat garbage, five serious. The guy went to jail. He was calling me from prison saying he's going to sue me for getting rid of his stuff. You know, oh, as that's always nice. His uh, girlfriend that he had been arrested with was at the property throwing stuff back out of the dumpster as we were trying to throw no. stuff no, into I the dumpster. No, I didn't know that part of the story. It was, And that's what I mean. Anthony always handles a lot of shit, which is impressive. You know, you. Good for you, man. Seriously, Oops. that's how you get shit done. Yeah. Ca- chaos in life is how you get shit done. If I've been uncomfortable chaos. for the last seven years. <laughs> yeah. Good. Sometimes Keep you need a going. break. Eh? Sometimes yeah. you need to get a little bit comfortable just for a week or two here or there. Yeah. No, you do. Because otherwise you go crazy. Yeah. Well, you burn out. You, you can only operate at a certain pace for so long before you burn out. Right. For so sure. You can go and I think everything's in like little sprints. If it's a marathon, you can, you know, it is a marathon, but you can go fast at times and then you got to pull back a little bit and give yourself a break. Cause I've seen it time and time again with lots of investors, business owners, whatever, where they just kind of, they're like, Oh man, I'm in such a groove. And you know, this when you're like, eh, I'm humming, man, like everything's getting done. This is awesome. I'm like just flying. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God. Hit yeah. the wall. Now you're yeah. like, I forgot to rest. Yeah. You got it. it but it, it's, it's addictive. Cause when you're, when you're in that mode and everything, Everything's flowing. You're just like, this is the best. Like, yeah. just get it conquering everything. Nick's, yeah. ba- right. Nick's barely on camera, eh? In the middle of you. We have to turn that camera just a little bit. I'll get up and do it. Should I, no. You got it? But Anthony, something I was going to say, um, I think you should have to turn it to the left a little bit. It's when Nick leans back. There we go. That did it. That'll have done it. There we go. With the um, sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> the sound effect, the thumping that you heard is Anthony getting the cameras to cue to the right angle. Um, but uh, yeah, chaos. But you do have to take a break. Otherwise, the burnout is is hard. Like I, I, we've talked about this before. I think I hit, I've hit burnout three times pretty seriously. Um, now it's been many years, thank God. But um, you, you kind of hit it a while ago, no? Yeah, big time. Uh, spring, I'd say last year. I really It was did. last year when we were all asking about you, no? We're probably asking like, are you okay? Yeah, probably. I ignored. So then what did you do? How did you get yourself out of that period? Uh, I stopped doing as many property fills on the side over the summer. How many, Uh, how many were you doing at the time? Seven, eight, but with a partner, but Mm -hmm. still, whenever we got to three each, that was too much. So to do seven with a partner, so three and a half each or whatever. There was my own properties. There was a long distance relationship because Christina was uh, Mm -hmm. moving away for six months at the time. I was moving out for the first time. It was just a lot, you know? And what did it feel like, the burnout? It sucked. Um, Just, you're drained. Like, you don't feel like yourself. Mm. You know, you're like a shell of a person. When you wake up in the morning. It's like a depersonalization. What do you you feel like in the first thing in the morning? Exhausted? Just, you just dread the day ahead. Mm. Because you're like, I have so much stuff to do. And you know your body needs rest, but you've maybe overcommitted yourself to the point where you don't want to let people down because you've made those commitments to them. So like if I've taken on a bunch of property fills or I have some responsibilities here that I've committed to, or you know, to my real estate partner, to figuring out whatever mess we were in with the property at the time, you don't want to back away from the, that commitment. You want to see the commitment through, even though your body's screaming like, dude, you need to slow down. Mm-hmm. You need to chill out. Like you can't do this. You should have stopped this like months ago. Right. But if you're caught in it, like I was caught in it for like two months where it's just like, okay, let me just see everything through and just say no to everything else. When you're well rested, when do you wake up in the morning and you're excited and you jump? What are, what is on your plate during those times? Um, property stuff. Like if it's purchasing a property, Mm. like right now I'm trying to get financing and stuff. It's exciting. So I've been burned out this past weekend, just dealing with it because it's been a mess trying to get stuff, but it's exciting. 
like I was telling Chris, it's, so I'm buying it with Christina and another partner and uh, I was, it's pure chaos, but I was telling her, I'm like, I love this because we're finding all these ways to get around things. And I was like, I love figuring out these problems. Like I absolutely love it. It's chaotic. It's stressful. She's having like a panic attack because of it all. You know, she might lose a deposit, this, that, like she's going through worst case scenarios. Lose a deposit? You guys no, we're not actually, I wouldn't actually do that, but uh it's down to the wire or whatever. And, uh, I was like, I just love solving these problems, even though it's pure chaos. Mm -hmm. I love this because I just feel like most people, most people won't do it. Mm -hmm. Good for you. People who solve the most complex problems get paid the most. So good for you. Yeah. It's just, that's where the opportunity is. Like where somebody hasn't figured it out. Awesome. Yeah. So, and nobody wants to handle that stress. Like it's exciting and stress just after those periods, you do need to intentionally take a break. Yeah. You, so you had a blog post that I quoted to Christine on the weekend. I was like, Tom had this blog post that I read like months ago. And one thing stuck out uh, from it, it was, uh, your ability to deal with stress is your competitive advantage in real estate. Mm-hmm, I remember that. And that one always stuck with me. Cause it's like, it's so true. It's just your, it's like your quote, whoever deals with the most shit wins. Yeah. And most people don't want to deal with stress and I kind of get it, but if you're willing to deal with shit or you're willing to deal with stress, man, the world is your oyster. Nobody does it. Nobody. So few. Mm -hmm. There's like no competition. No one's out there doing anything. That's the other thing I realized. Like (laughs) we can't say no one. There's lots of people doing it. I don't know. I guess just, uh, no, it's the minority of people uh, as a percentage base, but there's lots of people. Maybe the audience listening to this is predisposed to taking action. So people listening to this particular type of podcast are probably taking action. But I would say in the majority of the population, I don't know. No one's really doing much. Well, it probably falls into the 80-20 rule like most other things. Yeah. But that's millions of people. So that are doing something. Yeah. Yeah. But more millions that are doing nothing. Yeah, you're right. That's what I mean. Gotcha. But you're saying nobody. Notice how Nick said I'm right again. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm wrong sometimes. Yeah. I'm wrong sometimes. That's what I have noticed. Like I'm old enough now. I'm wrong sometimes. (laughs) You know what flashed in my head? Interest rates. I'm like, I never thought they would get this high. (laughs) I'm wrong sometimes. Like it's like, it's such this rare occurrence (laughs) that the way he's saying it. There's the odd time. You know what? It, you know what it is? It's the odd like time you, let's every talk day. About how it is working with Tom <laughs> and 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 him being. I'm regularly wrong. I, I like Tom like this when he's like tired and he's a bit out of it. He's a bit like. <laughs> I am a bit delirious at the moment for yeah. sure, because of this big bench press I did. I did a big bench press yesterday. I'm really proud of myself. I told Nick. Nick didn't even look. Nick didn't even. When I set my personal record on bench press, Nick's like, "You shouldn't tell anybody that." <laughs> I was so proud. I was sending the video to everybody. No, it's because the weight started with a one initially. Then you said how many reps it was. I'm like, okay, at least it was something. But he was like, I just set this big record in bench press. What was, like, what was the record? It was like 190 no, or something. No, it was 190 for three sets of eight. And actually the last set I did nine. It was what, a lot. What's your one rep max on bench? I did 245 a few weeks ago, but on this Monday, we're going to bro coaching mode. We're ditching the training that Dan has so diligently prepared for us, and I'm going to try and beat it. It's going to hurt his shoulder. Nice. Shoulder surgery. No, uh, really? If there's ever any oh, doctors listening. I never thought I could hurt my shoulder. Are you Jeez, becoming a bodybuilder? I, I was going to tell Ruben, who likes going to the gym for like bodybuilding, because I've never done that kind. I'm, I started texting him a few weeks ago. I'm like, hey, I'm now a bodybuilder. I'm a better bodybuilder. You went from a strong man to bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do everything. CrossFit, strongman. I just don't do cardio. I don't want to do cardio. Yeah. Marathon runner. That's what's next. Sprints. <laughs> I'll do sprints. We did sprints on the bike at the assault bike yesterday. And Mike, I actually have to tell Mike how he cheated on this thing. Mike, we did this thing where you do each do 10 calories. And while one person's um, doing it, the other person's kind of resting. You go slow on the bike. So Mike told me to go, you know, I was going slowly, but he's like, oh, you're going really too fast for the rest period. Go even more slowly. 
So I was like, okay, I'll go really super slow. So every time it was my turn to go for the 10 calories, I did two calories super slow and I had eight calories to go. And then by the end of it, I was just a beat and he was just crushing it. He's like, oh, well on the slow period, I was doing like four or five calories and I still then just had to do five calories left. I'm like, dude, you totally screwed me up, man. You said, anyway. So where do you and Mike rank based on your age group for your physical fitness oh God, in no. the CrossFit world? No, I, oh, low. Super low. I don't think I so though, because compared to the average fifty-year-old, you guys are very in shape. No, you guys are. Well, that's a different question. Yeah, the average fifty-year-old, and then the average fifty-year-old who does CrossFit regularly. Two that's big difference. Big. Well, the only difference it depends because the 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 the, the, stand, the even the the cardio is probably not too bad. The strength is there for sure for both both of them, but the skills component. Right, because yeah. of the CrossFit, the gymnastics skills component is probably lacking, I would imagine, for, for both of them. Why are you laughing at me? Dude, you just looked at the me and started component. laughing. Well, just, there is, but it, yeah, no, it's I see it. Then you just skills. glanced over at Mike right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, once you start talking high rep, toes to bar, or pull-ups, or muscle-ups, or all the handstand yeah. push-ups. Snatch. And stuff, start, I don't have the mobility snatch, to snatch. Yeah, you know, so there's a bunch of different things, right? That yeah, just, that's a whole different learning but, but curve. But to be in, like, if you're talking just physical shape for, like, from a cardio and strength-wise, I mean, the, you guys got to be yeah. high Percentage level, I would yeah. say decent. Top 1%, maybe. I just got my blood work done, so we'll see when I get back from Croatia what it looks like. Um, because last time, I was, a, was it two years ago? I had slightly high ferritin levels, and it was Dr. Callan who told me to give blood four times in eight months to kind of get that down, mm. and it really worked. And, uh, and then he said, don't give blood as often anymore, because now my iron level was on the low side of where he wanted it. Like, it wasn't a bad zone. Um, it's going to be like 10% white wine in your blood level when you come back. Yeah, I do drink a lot of white wine. <laughs> so it's hot. It's going to be smelt and, and white wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird because I don't really drink too much when I'm here. And I don't want to make it seem like I'm freaking alcoholic over there. It's I get that impression a little no, bit. No, like just let that lunch. Ask Nick, at night, I, I don't even drink anything. In the morning, I'm not drinking. <laughs> Imagine in the morning getting up. Just at lunch enjoy our wine yeah yeah that's he doesn't it's it's not that bad there's 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 days there's, there's days, days when it's really it's hot and the white be hard not to like oh. in europe you're just hanging out man you're hanging out so good. it's sunny it's just beautiful how many months do you think you guys could do that before you're just sick of it and you're like i want to work you need a purpose in life so it's not too long after a little while like i think i could probably go a couple more weeks than nick i work while i'm there, when i'm there I just stay, I keep my thumb on the pulse. Well, you see it, like there's emails and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff. I won't do like like project work and that type of thing, but I keep my thumb on the pulse and just kind of going through just emails and just when there's certain things that need to be done or whatever. And that way I just know, it's almost like a check-in, right? Maybe it's whatever, an hour to two to two a day. I don't mind it. I kind of like it. I'm, I'm up first out of everyone, like yeah, out of both families. I'm usually gone in the morning. I go to the gym. Sometimes I come back from the gym from working out and everyone's still asleep. And I'm like, okay, hop on the computer, hop on the computer for an hour or so. People are getting up, starting to have breakfast. I'm like, great, shut down the computer. Now I've gotten up, I've had my workout, I've worked for like an hour, just caught up on everything if it's needed, or, a nice day. or I don't work. I'm just kind of reading some things like that I've wanted to read online or a couple of videos I've wanted to check out. So I watch that type of stuff. And then, uh, yeah, then I get up and then I have breakfast with the family and do that stuff. So to me, that's like my, my favorite kind of day is like that. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, because then I feel like I've accomplished <clears throat> enough and now I'm like, all right, Let's just chill. Whatever you guys want to do, I'm good. Yeah, you can enjoy the whole day. Yeah. You've mm -hmm. taken care of everything you mm -hmm. need to. Those are good days. But I mean, I should probably check completely tune out a little bit more. Like go, if I go there at least for like a week or two, just like completely check out. Don't check anything. Just leave it all. That's probably the better way to do it. I just That's don't. what I do. 
thumb off the pulse. Yeah. I, 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 I shouldn't say that entirely. I still check right. in and stuff. Because I'm, I'm checking stuff. I'm asking him, He's asking what do you me, think about this? I don't even have to check anything <laughs> because Nick's like, hey, this came in. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. Do you think that in your guys' future, you'll probably just extend that time period? Yes. Yeah. And there'll be one more location. I think it'll be Florida. And yeah. then there'll be the triangle. The triangle must be completed. <laughs> So then it'll be Croatia, somewhere in Ontario. It might be like up at Blue Mountain or here in Oakville or whatever. And then I think it's going to be Florida. I never cared for a place that was warm and to, to leave in the winter for a bit. Maybe as I've gotten older or something, but now it's just, it's a little bit more appealing to me. I still wouldn't regularly use it. Like the kid, my kids are just, they're at the beginning. My, my oldest is going to grade eight. So she's just at the beginning of high school. That's going to limit how much time we can start spending away and stuff like that. So... I'm not going to be able to use it. Like, it's still not really something that would be used often in my life right now, but I can see myself in the future wanting that and, and, and using it a little bit more often as they get older. Because I know Tom's kids, like, you know, Aiden's got one year left of university, mm -hmm. then so he's completely self-sufficient. And, you know, Sienna's just wrapping up high school now. So, like, it's just a different phase, right? It's cool that Aiden even wants to still go, being the age he is, to go hang out with his family for, like, three weeks. Oh, I thought that you went cool. to university. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, because I don't think yeah. he really wants to go back, but... <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's a mistake. Uh, <laughs> he knows it, too. No, yeah. He knows it, and we tell him, we laugh. Yeah. Go get it, check the box, yeah. be gone. But, you know, for anyone listening, I think the interpersonal skills you get from just dealing with university and maybe even not agreeing with some of the content but still doing it anyway there's discipline there involved there's critical thinking involved it's it's still what there's the, definitely value i can see the value i don't know about the pure educational content in and of itself but the in experience in its entirety definitely still has value. one of the big things that i've seen that's good chat gpt is going to completely ruin is that the a difference when we've been um interviewing with different people and going back and forth for different things when we're hiring not everyone, of course, but but on average, people with a post-secondary degree, college or university, their communication skills, their written communication skills are better. And I really feel that written communication is still very important in this world, maybe more so because of text messages, emails, that type of stuff. I think it's even Well, even more to important. engage with AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now th that'll be a whole different thing. But I'm just, I'm worried that as people use AI more for that type of stuff that they don't develop the skills themselves and i think there's a lot of benefit to it outside of just the communication side i think it's the way the brain works the critical mm. thinking the, the way you just analyze different things and i i don't like i mean it's so early you don't know how that's going to change things but i feel like that could potentially be a problem because i think a lot of the information now in a lot of programs information is moving so quick and we get access to it so readily it's so readily available that the university programs are outdated a lot of them mm -hmm. and so they can't keep up with their the politics they have and they you know the, the profs that want their textbook in this and all this stuff it, they just can't keep up so it's these other skills that make it valuable and if they lose the other skills then what then like what's really left there i don't know how much yeah the university actually contributed to my communication skills i think I think more so maybe the university just like self-selects for the people with good communication skills Could be. that already had yeah, it, yeah. you know, just naturally or just higher in high intelligence levels when it comes to written and verbal communication. I don't know how much it really helped me. Like I wrote a few essays. The best thing was speaking because we give presentations and that's like something you never do if you don't go to university or unless you have a job where you're put right into it or some sort of sales role. Like that was probably the most applicable thing. Yeah, but some life. people I think are just better at that. Naturally, they don't, they're, you know, they can get up and perform in front of people. Just they're more, a little bit more comfortable there, even if it just takes yeah. a, a little bit of experience. Right. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Next few years, 
your wake. I can't talk much about this, but just some of the um, the new factories and the, the lack of humans that are going to be in them. Um, this is somebody I was with recently, so you'll know who I'm talking about. But um, like some of these new factories with the the amount of robotics that are going to be in them, they're now talking on the new designs. They don't care about the, there's going to be no lighting need. The HVAC requirements are going to be way less because they don't have to keep it air conditioned. Oh my gosh, no lighting. They, I never even thought about that. They're going to have the lighting, obviously, but they can turn them fully off. The factory will run 24-7. There's no big parking requirement for the humans. There's no downtime over the shift turnover. There's no HR or, requirement. Or lunch. There's no cafeteria. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy smokes, because wow. now these robots are getting good enough that they can pick up the little bolts and put them in like a human would. And some of the designs of the cars are being created with that in mind. Yeah. So humans the parts are, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. The humans are going to be removed from some of this. Like the future is kind of happening now. I've started using ChatGPT to write all my rental listings and I'm like 10 times faster at getting ads up now. What is it? Just cleaning it up? It's a bit better. It clean, cleaner. It just, puts it yeah now that i kind of have developed the prompts to put in i'm just putting in like the raw features of the home and you know saying put these emoji bullet points uh put a call to action editing a bit once it comes out and then you just cut and paste it out from cat a chat gpt into the facebook marketplace ad yeah hmm. and it'll put emojis too emojis i've never done emojis on chat GPT. the emoji finding the emojis yourself takes so long and you just you have to ask, think of them so all. you can ask chat gpt to put in the emojis in its answer put emojis hmm. 10 seconds later every single feature point has an emoji i like it yeah, I, didn't, I never thought about using it for that. That's Can we? I, I guess we can't get Chat GPT to embed pictures that we provide it yet. That'd be nice. You know where it can kind of talk about a picture. I guess that would be a next stage. Imagine, hey, here's the pictures of the property. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And too. then you tell me what what is so great about this property and how, why those features would apply to um, an economy or people who live in this area. Exactly. So one of the prompts I use is like make it attractive to students, mm-hmm. and then it changes the language completely. Like it's really good. I wrote something that said, hey, write an ad for us. Was it an ad or an email for one of our events? And it said, but make it applicable to Canadians who live in Ontario where there's a real lack of housing and it's expensive to buy a house and interest rates are moving up. And um, the po- yeah, the population trends can have been you know out of control for the last 10 years and continue to look like they're going to be out of control. And it wrote an email announcement for this event with all those factors embedded in it. It was beautiful, way yeah. better than I could have written. And it was probably pretty good. Yeah, it was no, hundred percent usable, amazing. Yeah. So what I have done is I've taken an MLS is, list. Actually, this is not us speaking right now. You are listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I've taken an, an, an MLS listing, put it in, and then just it pulled it from the MLS listing, all of the things, and then I gave it further prompts. I noticed it was a bit better when I put the features in myself because it's only drawing from uh, some of the details in the listing or the write-up that the Well, then you're dependent on how well that that is written. So exactly. if that's not written well, then you're, it's, it's not going to be as good, right? Exactly. But when can you give the AI, ChatGPT, your logins to Facebook Marketplace and just say, hey, write it up, log in for me and post it? Holy shit. Yeah. So there's already some platforms that will post on Facebook Marketplace for you. And there's an AI chatbot that goes back and forth with the tenants, pre-screens, and then books appointments. Come on. Put it Puts it into a calendar. And I was looking at using one of them, but I don't have enough listings on the go. You need like 10 plus listings on the go to use it. So I'm going to see if they can let, like, let me use it as like a beta user or something because it's pretty new. But it's an AI chatbot. So it's doing all the back and forth. So do we all now need safe words to understand if I'm really speaking with Anthony Molinero and not his AI interpretation of Anthony Molinero? Not yet, but you're going to. Like we're all going to need to our best friend say, hey, if I don't say this particular word, 
then it's not me speaking to you. Well, we've already seen it with Keith when he did that demo, when he took, he, he recorded, what was it? It was, a, it was a while, like 20 minutes of his, of his, of, of like mm-hmm. a recording where he read a script for 20 minutes and then the audio of him that it spit out afterwards. It wasn't bad. Like it, it, it doesn't sound exactly like him, but I'd say it's like 80%. What would your safe word be? Barbell. Your safe word? Coca-Cola. You know why? It's not Pepsi. <laughs> My safe word? Interest rates. Bench central bank. bank. Yeah. Central banks. I mean, bad central jokes. banks. If I don't <laughs> bad jokes. <laughs> okay, were we gonna did you have yeah. some questions for Can us? rates keep going up? And if so, why? Or if not, why not? Jeez. Oh, What's going on with rates, Tom? I thought rates can go up. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to talk about this and now I'm like, oh God. Um, I guess for interest rates, the way to think about this is the number one enemy of a central banker who prints their own currency um, is inflation. If inflation gets out of control, the currency dies because of a lack of confidence. So if the central banking system does not defeat inflation definitively, the game is up, the system crashes, it's all over because nobody wants to hold the currency and people would rather buy a washing machine or a a chair than hold currency. And when you say inflation, you mean high levels of inflation because they want inflation. And I guess I really mean, yeah, maybe the better understanding of it is like a devaluation, like they print so much that maybe you don't get inflation, your price increases in some areas and you do in other areas, but a big devaluation of the currency. Well, they're happy with a bit of inflation. Yeah. Because they want that, but it's- Well, they, and it's, they need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so when, when you say that you know, their biggest concern is inflation, I think you mean it's just- Out of control. Because, because for exactly the reasons you, you said, because then people don't want to hold the currency, they're like, everything else is going to be more valuable in the future or worth more dollars. Yeah, however you want to look at it, it's going to cost me more. So get rid of these dollars. I'm just going to put it into the economy to buy these goods, which then, you know, perpetuates, you know, and moves everything forward faster and faster. And if if you look at what Canada did, Canada announced that it was going to pause a few months ago. We were going to pause our interest rate hikes. Remember, that was the language. We're pausing. And then that was what, February? I think it was March. Was it March? I think it was March. Um, And then we didn't pause. We raised again. Why did they raise again? Because the price of things kept going up. So they thought, holy shit, we need to stop this. But this last raise, inflation, the inflation numbers have started coming down. Not down enough. They're not at 2%. You know, maybe they're going to settle them at 3%. Still higher. The last read was 3.4. That's the government. We all know that's kind of bullshit. But I'm just going on government numbers. Today was 2.8. Oh my God, I've been on the road. Is that what it is? 2.8? Yeah. Came down again. Yeah. Here we go. Um, so, so how long do you think before rates start to come down if, if they've tamed inflation down it, to 2.8? It 2. just 8%. really depends on what's their mind on how low they want inflation to go. Like maybe they want inflation to really crash hard so that they can lower the rates really, really low. And the reason they might be thinking that way is because there's so much debt on the books, they can't keep these rates high. And the reason they can't keep these rates high, if you just think of the economy and it has a certain amount of dollars floating around in it, if interest rates go up and up and up, well, more and more dollars come out of the economy to pay for debt. And then the economy actually shrinks because dollars are being destroyed when you pay off debt. When you pay off debt, dollars are actually being destroyed. So there's literally less dollars in the economy and the economy actually contracts. So there's a, there's a point in time where we kind of are now where interest rates are so high, it's making the economy contract. And you can't have that happen for long periods of time because the debt is so high, there'll be no more dollars in the system left to pay for the interest on the debt. Because even though we're using some dollars to pay off some of the debt, we're not paying off 
huge amounts of it, we're paying off basically the minimum that needs to be paid off. It's not like you're clearing the debt, you're making like interest payments on the debt. The debt continues to roll over. There's no big debt payments. It's just too out of whack. We can't. There's $4 in debt in the world for every $1 of economic activity. So we can't. So you just, you, you can't have it. Can, you can't, you need the inflate. You need more dollars in the system ultimately to pay for all the so, debt. So then to, to Anthony's question, because the, some people felt like your opinion before was that rates couldn't go up, but rates obviously are up and they're up a lot. So how does that work? Because I guess my, my, and I, I, I know that like, I know what your opinion was, like it was a little bit more in depth than that, but, but just, just so just mm. to answer the question. Yeah, yeah. Can I clarify? So maybe why I thought that you felt that way mm. or what my understanding of it was, was that the government is so in debt that they can't raise interest rates because they'll default on their own debt. Like Correct. they can't pay their own Correct. debt back. And so that's what was maybe why you were saying they can't mm -hmm. raise rates in any significant way for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the last part of your, your sentence there is everything. Yeah. It's people think it's been a long period of time. We've had low rates since 2008. And now we've had high rates for what, like 10 or 12 Even or 14 early, months? Like the real low rate environment came in like about 2000, yeah. right? So they can kind of bluff their way through this period and hold rates high. But let's face it, there's been several banks, the biggest bank ever to fail in the US failed a few months ago. Um, multiple banks actually failed. They had to come up with a new program, not called quantitative easing. They called it the BTFD program or whatever it is, like some other thing to save the banks from having to offload treasuries to save themselves. So they basically put some new, whatever you want to call it, QE. Some people don't like it called money printing, but they came up with some new thing to kind of save the system. You now have people all across the country of Canada strapped for cash. Now, the next thing is, what are government revenues gonna look like six months from now? If the economy's contracting, or people are spending less because more of their money is going to debt, what are government revenues gonna look like? And we really haven't paid down our government debt, we're just making interest payments on the debt. So now the U.S. publishes their numbers. Well, we're, we're growing the debt. And we're, we, we can't pay it down because we're in a deficit. The U.S. debt went up a trillion dollars in the last 30 days. A trillion. Out of how much total? Now it's like 32 and a half. But when we started Rockstar Real Estate, it was eight. <laughs> yeah, it's accelerating. It's accelerating. And so, and the reason it's accelerating, it's just with a debt-based system, I guess the way I like to explain is like, listen, in this system, when the first dollar came into an existence, it came into existence with interest. So when the first dollar came into an existence, and it didn't quite work exactly like this, but I like explaining it, it's kind of clear to me. When the first dollar came into the system, it came in and you owed interest on it. But if $1 exists in the economy, and it was borrowed into existence because all our money is debt, and you had to pay back a dollar ten because the interest was ten percent. Let's say, where does the ten cents come from to pay all of that back? If only one dollar exists, because the central banks created it out of thin air and said, "Here's the first dollar for the Canadian economy. Here's the dollar." But by the way, you owe me a dollar ten back. Well, where do you get the ten cents? The only other way to get the ten cents is to do what? Borrow from me again. Mm -hmm. Now two dollars exists, but you owe two twenty back. Well, how do you get the 20 cents to pay back the 220? Okay, or, so just to bring it back to the inflation question, so did they have to raise so quickly, so aggressively because they know in the long term they actually can't keep it this high? 
so look, first, there's only it's only been a year, right? So to, to your earlier point, like it feels like this stuff is is there's a lot happened, but really rates have been not even they haven't been, they're barely considered. It's high really it's starting to hit now. Like the pain is starting yeah. to hit now. So, but so it's really been a year of this kind of upswing. You know, it's been slightly more, but from when they got to a point where people are like, hey, these are starting to like impact me a little bit, right? So it hasn't it hasn't been that long. And I think the, the, the point is, and, and maybe you're right about what you're saying about, like, you know, they, 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 they tried to get it up aggressively so, to stop inflation quickly so they can bring them back down. And, and maybe that's the case. And if you look at the, um, the interest payments on the debt, so like the U.S. interest payments, that graph's crazy because in the last year, it literally goes vertical. Like, it goes straight up. It's just not sustainable. So that's why, going back to your, what you were saying earlier, and Tom, what you were saying in the past was that... They, it's very hard to see a, a, um, a way they can keep them this high for any extended period of time. Because you'll, you'll suck all the dollars out of the economy. Like the There'll interest, be no dollars left. The interest payments on the debt are all, they're approaching a trillion dollars a year. One trillion. Just in interest. Right? That, that's, like, that's like up about, what, 300%? I think is it yeah a year ago annualized triple? i think there were like three yeah, change, 380 right? or something and like what's their income for the year what, what i think, the tax I think last year was like four point something trillion and now if there's a recession it's going to slip under four i would imagine the next kind of time they have the budget so like if the if the economy shrinks and they collect like 3.9 and interest is like a trillion you're talking about like what 25 percent of every dollar that you bring in just goes to interest on the system. Don't they have a huge amount of unfunded liabilities yeah. too? That yeah, we're even... just, and unfunded liabilities for everyone listening is bullshit. They call them unfunded or off balance sheet. If Nick and I in this business had debt that we owed, we can't keep it off our balance sheet. It has to be on the balance sheet. Mm-hmm. So these guys are keeping debt, which adds it all, it's all added up to like $101 trillion or whatever. So yeah, it's way more debt. Yeah, and that's for Medicaid and Social Security, whatever they have down there that they don't have enough savings to pay for. But yeah, there's all that stuff too. It's a disaster. And that's why, to me, these central bankers can bluff us all and say, hey, we're going to keep rates for higher for longer. And I'm like, oh, really? Well, three banks already failed. The the consumers are now getting squeezed. The banks in Canada, through the grapevine we're hearing, want more and more deposits. They're not too interested in doing mortgages. When have you ever heard that? That they want more deposits and they're kind of shying away from mortgages. So there's cracks forming everywhere, and you're telling me that you're not going to lower rates until like sometime maybe late 2024, 2025? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm going to call your bluff. It doesn't mean you don't have to survive through this period. You need liquidity. You need enough cash to survive. Are they actually saying 2024, 2025? Well, it's all bullshit. That? Yeah, sometimes they now, yeah. now they say I think the, the latest think, Bank of Canada projection is saying that inflation is going to go back to where they want it. I, I might understand. I believe it's 2025 they're saying now. I don't believe any Bank of Canada projections because they're wrong every single effing time. So I just ignore them all because and then you've got to get the information yourself and make your own projection because it's likely that your own projection is going to be more accurate than theirs. Than theirs and they update sure. theirs every month. And it's still flipping. Well, they told all Canadians, don't worry, rates are going to be low for at least, you know, several years into 2024. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. When TIFF came out and said that? I think end of 2023 was. And late 2023. So then they changed the story. And now we're being told, well, rates are going to be higher for longer. So before they told us they're going to be lower for longer, they lied on that. Now they're telling us they're going to be higher for longer. And I'm saying, well, I think you're lying on that. How are you going to keep them higher for longer? This doesn't really make sense to me. You're going to crash everything into the ground. If the purpose is to crash the entire economy right into the ground, okay, yes. And why do you think they won't do that? There's just not enough dollars in the system to pay for the interest. No, why do you think they won't crash the economy into the ground? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, no, maybe. If they, if they wanted to release some CBDC and force everyone to get some new currency, I just don't think they're that organized. By crashing things into the ground, keeping rates high, would they technically be defaulting on their own debt? It depends what you're calling crashing things into the ground. But yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like bank, Canadian banks failing and them defaulting on their own debt. You're going to, who holds the most debt of Canadian debt? It's going to be other sovereigns and big banks. So those are the people who have the most influence on the government. So you're telling me the people who have the most influence in the government are going to say, yeah, bring it all down. I don't think that's going to be the answer. I think the answer is going to be inflation. We're out of money. Okay, lower rates or print new money, send out checks, call it a grocery rebate, do what you want, but more money has to come into the system because there is a, there is a scenario where rates can stay high and it's if inflation is higher. So rates can stay, like let, let's say rates go to 10%, sure. But rates can't go to 10% and stay there for a long time unless inflation is like 12, 15, 18, 20. Because again, if the ratio of debt to, to GDP is four to one and rates are 10%, from that one, you are taking out so many dollars to pay for the interest on the four. Like what's 10% of four, 0.4? So you need 0.4 to the one, that's 40% of the economy. 40% of the floating cir circulation of the economy has to go just to interest payments. I mean, it's not gonna happen. You're gonna have to inflate it. Because if you do that, then you're only left with 0.6 of an economy and you still haven't paid off the debt, you've just paid interest. So in the next year, the 0.6 goes to what, 0.2? Like you literally just destroy the whole system. So like you're not gonna do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so your point that inf interest rates can stay high if inflation is high. Yeah, because if you're growing the one, you know I keep using that four yeah, to one yeah. ratio. If you're growing the one, if inflation's at like 10, uh, sorry, interest rates are at 10%, but you're growing the one, you're inflating the GDP at 20%. Okay, sure. Because no matter what, the government, even at those higher numbers, is still inflating themselves out of their own debt? Correct. You're growing the economy, so the ratio of the GDP to the debt looks smaller because you're inflating the economy at such a high rate that the, the ratio of debt to the GDP is looking better and better because you're just printing money, stuffing it into the economy and counting it all. So it looks like, oh, the economy's growing. But really, the purchasing power of every Canadian that we all know is going in the trash, but the math looks better. It is scary because, like, okay, that makes sense. But then at 10% interest rates with the amount of debt in the system, like you look at mortgages alone, like, you know, a lot of people are going to get shaken out by 10% yeah, oh, totally. interest rate. Yeah, totally. But if you can hang on to your properties, your hard assets or whatever it is for you, fine art, gold, Rolexes, whatever is a hard asset for you, those things are going to keep going up in value. Do you so think maybe you sell one of them and it takes care of all your liquidity problems. Yeah. And everything's losing in that environment with higher rates. No. Everything is losing like, uh, coming. Yeah. So since the since the government's increased interest rates so much, like everything's been down. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't it know. Depends. The S and P has been ripping. Yeah, not everything's been down. It but yeah, it, it's complicated. It depends where inflation goes and what the run up was, right? Because the run up was really just just like the run up was almost historical. We were having thirty percent year over year appreciation for multiple years in real estate. Like so, so yeah, are things back down from from that? Yeah, but I mean, that's not like did that was that normal? And did people expect that to to last? No, well, they shouldn't have. I don't think most people did. It was ridiculous. But I think what the, the the thing is like we're back to these kind of like historical growth norms. And then what happens over time with with inflation is that things that if inflation is high, essentially the value of the dollar is dropping down. So those things will become more expensive. But they're they're more expensive in like just the the number, but they they they're they're of the same value. But the reason that they'll come more expensive because remember inflation is going to be up, right? So that means 
materials are going to be up. So wood is going to be up. Shingles are going to increase. Oil is going to increase delivery to get there. So all this stuff is going up. No one's going to build properties if the, if and sell them at a loss. Right. And then now, at the same time, because inflation is going up, this is why they get worried about wage inflation, too. Well, wages are going to have to go up because people aren't going to work at jobs when they're like, well, I can't even afford to buy groceries unless I have you know X number of dollars coming in so that we get wage inflation, too. So all those price pressures and remember, this doesn't happen overnight, but all those price pre- pressures get combined. And that is now the replacement cost for a piece of real estate. So maybe properties get smaller. And what we've seen over time is properties have got smaller, um, lots have got smaller and that type of thing. And that's and even with where prices have gone, that's kind of held the prices from going even higher because people are, are in higher density spots. And it doesn't just apply to real estate. It applies to things like this table because the wood for this table and the labor for this table is going to be more. So that's, that's ultimately what happens because the inflation's higher. Right. So that's why. So, yeah. Do things come down? Well, yeah, they can come down in the short term. But if the inflation once the inflation runs all the way through the system, it, they keep going up just like food prices today, because with where 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 the input costs are for food, the food prices aren't coming down. Mm-hmm. And, and then inflation is self-perpetuating. Like when our family went through it in the 90s, the um, in Croatia, people begin to hoard. Because you're like, oh, geez, I'm going to buy this. Like, I might need one bag of sugar, but maybe I'll buy three bags of sugar because I know tomorrow, you know, it's going to be a different price. Well, look, at no, I mean, we had someone from our office go overseas to a wedding that was supposed to be in September in, in, in Egypt, right? So high, high inflation environment right now, like really high. Like they just, just, they've now, I think it was three large devaluations in about the last year in, of the Egyptian pound. And they pulled their wedding up from September to um, Ju- uh, July because they were, were worried they wouldn't be able to afford not just the wedding because the inflation is so high, but the furniture, like the stuff they needed for after the wedding, they had to buy it now and, and they wanted to be married to get all this stuff done because they're worried they can't afford their lifestyle afterwards because the inflation is going so high. Mm-hmm. So the value, that's not the value of like properties and stuff. That's the, that's the cost of hosting a wedding. That's the cost of a couch. It's that type of stuff. So yeah, does the value, when these things start shaking themselves out, does the, the value or like the, the, the price tag on something kind of come down a bit? Yeah, it can because they're sucking liquidity out of the market like Tom's talking about. But if inflation keeps ripping, those, those price tags, they're not coming down any. Right. They're, they're going up and they're going up fast. And where a lot of people will misplay this in my mind is they'll say, well, I'm not going to buy any hard assets now. Let's take an income property because prices are going to come down. They're going to raise rates. The whole thing's going to come crashing down. I'm like, well, if you think you're going to buy later when everything's down, who's lending? The banks already don't want to lend today. So you think if the economy gets worse, the bank's going to lend you money to buy this property on the cheap? No, the only time people are buying, or sorry, the only people who are buying in that kind of environment are really wealthy people who can pick up properties who might have access to cash directly. So it makes the middle class disappear even faster and the wealth divide increase even further because there's banks not tripping over themselves to lend to you in that environment. They're trying to survive themselves. So you know the saying like, be fearful when others are greedy, greedy when others are fearful Mm. for investing. Do you think like 2021, 2022, when everybody was jumping in the real estate market, it was multiple offers, like a huge um, seller's market, right? Houses were getting bid up like 30% year over year. Do you think that was the time with 
now your experience of being in real estate for 20 plus years to sit back and wait for the inevitable correction on the other side, which has happened right now to get into that same property for a lot less. It's a hidden. Yeah. Hidden miss. Yeah. I was, if there's some people that picked up great opportunities yeah. at that time. So if you're someone and now we, we know other investors who we met who they, they just, they bought a couple pre-construction places cause they're just like, you know what? you know, the prices were going up. Everyone, we just felt like we needed like real estate in our portfolio. So they walked into sales office and bought a couple condo units, that type of investing. Yeah. That's, that's no good. We know, we know some people who got too aggressive on some maybe vacation property types or vacation areas. And they went really aggressive in those areas because everybody was moving out of Toronto and prices were going up and now it's kind of come down and now they're suffering a little bit. So it's kind of, but other people, if you bought a good duplex in Hamilton at that time and you're going to hold that for the next 10 years, oh my gosh. And if we look at prices, prices like, cause, cause you, you're talking about prices, prices haven't moved that, like, you know, if, if you look at where they were from February, 2022 to like September, 2022, October, 2022, when they kind of like started going down, like when they went down during that time, then they've recovered a lot of it since then. Mm-hmm. Like they're almost kind of, they're not that far off that, you know, that high, which I don't even think is, is like makes any sense to be honest with you, but it's just, it's just kind of a, a symptom of, of, of the market that we're in. So, but it's not a, but what's changed is the carrying cost. So it depends on how you're doing this calculation. Cause now you have, you have these higher interest rates. So, okay, you can get into property for less money. Yeah. But you have these higher carrying costs. So like, I don't know what, what's the trade-off, which one do you want? Because for me, like I, it doesn't really matter to me, like if I'm holding this thing for the long term. So if I bought something, if I could have bought it, if I, I bought it last year for 800 and now it's worth 750, seven, call it 720, 10% move. So I went down 20, came back 10, maybe that's in line somewhere, right? So it's worth 720 now. Yeah, I don't know, is it, am I like, it, remember that was like at the absolute peak. So that's like a 60 day period that would have had to do that. I don't know if I, if my mortgage is still, what if I had locked in for five years at that time and I'm like, eh, I'm just kind of not feeling the pain yet. This is not so bad. I, in 10 years, how am I looking at this property? It's, it's okay for me. Yeah. Yeah. If you invest for the long term, it, it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. But when people get into real estate and they treat it like trading cards, they literally treat it like Pokemon cards. You know what I mean? Like it put, real estate, buying properties and investing in real estate is not Pokemon cards. Mm-hmm. So if that's if that's what you're doing, then yeah, it's it's maybe that's a mistake. That type of stuff it can get you in trouble for sure. But I don't think that's a real estate thing. That's anything. It's like when someone gives you the hot stock tip. You know, hey Tesla. You know, you know what's going to happen with Tesla? It's going to go here. Okay, we buy it. And then what happens? It drops twenty percent. Maybe it goes up twenty percent. But you don't know what the heck you're doing. You're just going. Oh my God! I bought so many mining companies in the early two thousands. Holy shit! Weed stocks. It's so cumbersome to sell a property. Even like I was thinking about it. Like all the onboarding to get the property, all the financing you had to go through. You know, just to get it. Mm -hmm. You know, setting up the property, the tenants, like, and then to sell it to just close everything back down. The title transfer, the listing, the realtor fee. It's just it sucks and you're you're right and i think that's a feature not a bug right? yeah. because like there's been times i mean probably it, the, the pain in the ass to sell a property has probably you know i don't know the number saved us i was going to say it's probably made us sure. a, a lot more money because we've held on to these properties so the value of those properties has increased because we couldn't snap our fingers or log into like an online trading account to be like oh post for sale okay accept sale price done right so mm-hmm. it's it's been better that way from you know if you're in it for the long term but if you're someone that wants to get into the market quickly then yeah it's a, it's a pain in the ass for sure hmm. should anyone get in real estate who's not in it for the long term no if there's any room for them mm, i don't think so no, i mean that's just gambling yeah yeah you're there's just like opportunity. if you're doing flips i mean that's just you're just hoping the price is going to be higher in nine months a year it depends if you're a skilled 
Like if you're yeah, a skilled you're trades really person good. and you have contacts and you're- And like, you have capital. And if you're developing- Sure. So like, cause there's flips for like, I mean the beginner. A, a, yeah. But you're going to put out like a lipstick code on the, on the property and try to sell it just based on emotion and the properties increase. That's tough. But if you're taking a property and you're adding the accessory dwelling unit or the, um, the garden suite or your, you know, what you, the video you did, um, with Craig, one of his latest projects. Or, yeah, yeah. One unit to a down. 10 unit building. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's you're, you're sure. in and out of the, I mean, that's a bigger project, but, yeah. but really they're in and out of the market that way, but that's different. That's, that's a whole, to me, a whole different ballpark but the people the person that's going to buy the property and say hey i'm going to paint the kitchen cabinets change some handles change the flooring and sell it and i'm going to bank like a, a you know a good amount of, income, uh, of profit it's tough man with all the fees involved um you know and the gov the uh the land transfer tax and that type of development stuff. charges once even you when you talk to craig and leonid there who were doing that project they have a long-term mindset you know they don't they don't really think they're flipping that property most people even if they're going to flip a property they're thinking long term nick and i have never purchased a property that we thought we wouldn't own for at least 10 years even if we were doing a rent to own on two or three year term we started two years and it went to three year rent to owns we were like would we own this for 10 years as is and if the answer was yes then we would proceed yeah, that's always been the filter that I've used after hearing that from you guys. Yeah, because sometimes you would have tenants back, like, well, I mean, still today, but but what was happening to us at the time, they're like, hey, I don't like this house. I want another house a little bit cheaper or whatever. So they're like, hey, here's the down payment money I have. I'll pay you this much per month. Um, and then, you know, they want us to buy this uh, property for them, which we're, we were open to and we'll do. And we've helped a lot of investors do that. But then the tenants would pick a property that really was something that we didn't want to own for five or 10 years. And then we said, okay, guys, it's not going to work. Like, it's got to be this type of property. And if you can't afford this type of property, that's fine. Like, you can find someone else, but it's not us, right? Because we didn't, that's, the, if they move out, that's not the property that we Yeah, want. you need an exit strategy. You don't want to be stuck with that. Yeah, but you get so blinded sometimes by the numbers initially that you just, you forget about that part of things. About the downside. Mm -hmm. um, back to the inflation thing or the interest rates, because I think a lot of people are just feeling the pain. Is there a leading indicator for when rates might come down? Inflation? Is it just inflation? Yeah. Well, they, the central bankers like to look at employment. So if we see inflation and employment, because they're worried employment stays so high that the inflation doesn't disappear because people are making money. So they literally want job losses, which is ridiculous in and of itself. But that would be the other one. So inflation looks like you guys said, what, today's 2.8. So now we're coming down pretty hard and fast. So the other one will be employment. If the Canadian employment numbers come out, U.S. employment numbers come out lower, you know, they're going lower and lower and unemployment, unfortunately, is increasing, then we're nearing the end. They, and you think they just come down or they keep it up as long as they can to, to really try to they take probably it. keep it up as long as they can, because then they have more runway to lower it. Right. But I mean, if they keep it, uh, the, the flip side is if you keep it up for as long as you can, you, 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 um, you might just be making a huge financial crisis. Like somewhere out there, listen, if the consumers that we all know and the retailers that we all know and the real estate investors that we all know are suffering right now because everything's tight, think of some of the big corporations who have borrowed to the hilt to buy back their own stock that lend out. Some of the Canadian banks who are involved with some of those companies, someone out there right now is probably hurting really bad. And if that trickles through the system, a big pension fund blows up in some weird way, man, they're going to have to lower rates super okay. quick. So, okay. So here's the, here's the counter argument to that. 
so because some people will think that we've been in this low interest rate, you know, unsustainable, unrealistic, low interest rate environment for so long that it just doesn't make sense. Like we're not going back to that. It's 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 not going to happen. And based on whatever you want to base it off of, it's just, you know, charts, you want to base it off demographics, you want to base it off whatever. It's just like, hey, the time of those things is over. Now, think, to Anthony's point. Higher rates think, are here. And, uh, higher rates are here. The sticker price of things is coming. It's coming down. That's it, and that's that's their opinion of this. Um, and I'm, I want your thoughts. I mean, initially, the, the first thing that comes to mind whenever someone sh- shares that with me is like you're basing it off of these long-term cycles, which makes makes sense. I understand long-term cycles, but what's the factor that's often not taken into account when it comes to that with rates is how much debt is in the system now, and that's the one point I often feel that isn't spoken about when when Agreed. talk about that. And I'm like, why are you leaving that out? Because it's very it's very different because- Because they're using the 90s and saying, oh my gosh, that happened there and prices came down in the real estate market for like six years. So now it's going to happen again. And I'm which, like, no. which way, like, what, I'm not saying it, like, it can't or it won't. I mean, like anything's possible. But I just think that you need to, to what you were talking about earlier is like, there's other things that have that need to be in place. Right, and for that to happen, there's got to be something else going on because it basically it comes back down to real rates, mm-hmm. and if rates are positive right now, like real rates are positive, which they are right so now, so debt is growing faster than the economy. Right. Yeah, and that that's why they can't keep it up. Right. That impacts prices. That's the long term cycle and all that type of stuff. I get it, but but it's just I don't see how they can. Well, I guess they can keep it up, but until what point? Then it just eventually blows. Right, and I, they, that's like that's hitting like hitting the self destruct button. I don't think really most people want to do that because I just want to call this out one more time. Like, if if the debt in the world is four to one ratio, you got to explain that when if people aren't looking at the diagram. Okay, so math, I just you have to I, explain I, it more clearly. I just I just say. drew like a bar graph with a, one bar that's like four times higher than the economy, and then so if the one bar that represents the debt, if there's a ten percent interest rate on that, right? Let's just use nice clean high rates at ten percent. Well, then you need. 0.4 of one tr- of, of that one dollar, right? It's four point four. Oh, I'm thinking four trillion. This 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 is not a nice clean example for me right now. If what's ten percent of four? Yeah, point four. Sorry, I am doing. I am on. I'm not as tired as I thought. It is right. So ten percent of four, right? So you're saying the debt in this is in this world is like, four, four four trillion. to one, and that's according to the Institute of International okay, Finance. But even if it was an example, just how yeah, it works. Four right? to one. Right. Okay. So debts four trillion. The economy is one, one trillion. One trillion. Say the economy, you mean GDP. GDP. Yeah. And so if it's four and there's a ten percent interest rate, well, that ten percent interest rate costs you 0.4. Now remember, the economy is just one. So out of the economy, you need to come up with 0.4 to pay for the interest on the debt. If that comes out of the economy to pay for the interest on the debt, now the economy is left with 0.4 less dollars. It only had one to begin with. The economy shrinks to a total of 0.6. It's not sustainable. Or to sustain it, if the four trillion goes up by 10%. But did you, sorry, but I go there. But sorry, Anthony, did you understand that? Yeah, yeah. So out of the economy has to come 0.4 to pay for the interest on the debt. The economy shrinks to just now it's not now it's not the number one, it's only 0.6. Yeah, GDP has to grow by 40%. Exactly. As it, opposed to the debt at growing. At interest rates of 10% on a four to one ratio, GDP has to, we're, we're doing back of the napkin, Greg Foss rounding, style yes, rounding yeah. here. And average GDP growth is like point. No, it's like 2%, 3%. Zero, three, right? 
No, two yeah. percent GDP will. Is it grow. even two percent lately? No, no it, it hasn't. Come, been. It's, no, sure. I know, but I just mean the long-term trend of the GDP growth it's coming down. It's been going down yeah. because of this, because this has been weighing it down. Yeah. So in your example, the average actual GDP growth of the economy, like historically, has been like two, three percent. Sure. But in this example, at ten percent interest rates, it would have to grow at forty percent. Forty percent. Just said differently, inflate at forty percent, and that's why we think. If rates stay high, nobody is prepared for the inflation that's about to come our way. But that so that's global debt yeah. and GDP. Yeah. So what would that look like in North America? Well, you can see the US debt at 31, you know, 32.5 trillion dollars. Their GDP's 20 something trillion dollars. Like it's all out of whack. You could do it country by country. Canada's really crappy at sharing its debt numbers because it uses a net debt. And what it does is Canada has invested in equity, some of the money that is guaranteed to the pensioners in this country, both in Quebec and the rest of the country. And because it's invested in equities or stocks, they actually deduct that. They say, oh my gosh, that money isn't um, allocated anywhere. That's an investment, even though it's allocated towards pensioners. So when, when you have our total debt, we're actually gonna report our debt as a net debt. So we're deducting the amount that we have in equities off our gross debt. And it makes Canada's debt number always look really good, or not always, but most of the time in the media, really good when it's reported against other countries because we report a net debt number. But Canada is one of the only countries that has its retirement pension money put into something that's not a bond, it put, it's put it into stocks. So they consider it an asset. It's kind of bullshit. Do you think the Bank of Canada thinks about real estate investors at all with their policies or are they just more so concerned with the broader economy? Do you yeah, think they're trying to shake out leverage with investors after the run up with COVID? Not specifically. No, I don't think investors, no. I don't, but the, the broader economy for sure. But in Canada, we're so screwed up that, the, that real estate makes up such a big part of our GDP that they take real estate into account more than they probably even should. Yeah, it's like eight percent right. of our GDP or something. I thought it was really even more, but yeah, it, but but, but it, it's it's it shouldn't be that much. I think it was like twelve during the pandemic. Like it went way oh, up and it kind of settled back down into the historical kind of norm. Yeah. It's on. Look does, at does that count everything though? Like construction. Um, I don't even know what else is involved. Mm, I'd have to look at the, the charts. I'd have to look. Yeah, I have yeah. all the charts. I should look at them again, but I haven't looked at them in a while. But it's just it's it's big. And what, what the problem is, if you look at what's happened in Canada, where we've suffered a lot is when real estate has grown, or not just real estate, but some other industries. But but you know, kind of like these types of investment vehicles or just the finance industry and that thing. What suffered the most is our investment into research and development in this country. And that, if you look at the line on that chart, it's just, it's gone steadily down. And that's where our, that's where the whole country screwed up. So the Bank of Canada has to think about real estate, has to think about construction, and they have to weigh it more than they should weigh it because our GDP plays such a large, large part in our economy. When our economy to actually grow the Canadian economy competitively and do something, we need to have programs to invest into research and development and attract talent and attract foreign interest or whatever it is to, to then contribute to that if that's if, if we're going to bring foreign interest here and, and immigration stuff let's get them all contributing to that that helps the country as a whole instead of everyone being like hey Canadian dollars have gone to crap there's nothing else we can do let's just buy these properties because they're going up and, and the sticker value of them is going up and going back to your point on interest rates if inflation's really coming down at two point whatever it is now 2.8 but rates are still high well now rates are in positive territory and again to repeat now the debt is growing faster than the Canadian economy 
And when you have so much debt, we're like 100, our gross debt's like 130% of our GDP. You can't have debt that is so big grow faster than the economy that pays for the debt. It's like you have this big amount of debt and you have this small amount of economy. And you're saying the small amount of economy has to pay for this big amount of debt, but the small economy is going to grow slower than the debt. It it doesn't work. Okay. So when rates are positive, you said the debt is growing faster. Correct. Yes. Because debt has an interest rate on it. Right, real rates, right? So real rates are inflation minus the interest rate. The interest mm-hmm. rate. So in, interest rate minus inflation. Sorry. Same, the same. Interest rate minus inflation. Yeah. So right now the interest rate's 5%. Yeah, yeah minus, call it on average 5% minus, you said 2.8? Yeah. So we have positive real rates. Yeah. They want financial repression. They want the economy to go faster than the debt. So they want negative real rates. Correct, which means you need inflation higher than the rates, mm-hmm. which we currently don't have. And you can do this for some point in time, where things start breaking, where we're seeing cracks. Like if, if a crack isn't Canadian banks saying we're not interested too much in mortgages right now, I don't know what is a crack. They make a ton of money on mortgages. So for them saying, hey, we're not too eager in getting mortgages right now, the cracks in the system are forming. And then their response is like, we're gonna keep it this way until late 2024, 2025. And I'm like, oh really? Okay. Is that because a lot of Canadian debt is rolling over then and is going to be at those new interest rates? That's also another reason. That's mortgage. Well, you're thinking about the mortgage debt. That's 2025, 2026 when the vast, not the vast majority, but the the two biggest years coming up for mortgage renewals. So I was thinking about that, but then what about the government? Yeah, it's rolling rolling over too at these higher. So they can afford to do it now because everything hasn't rolled over. The U.S. debt has a huge amount rolling over over the next 24 months. Do you you remember the last Rockstar event when Greg Foss had that slide up on the amount of debt that was rolling over? No. Oh, you weren't in the room, were you? The tsunamis, yeah. Were like you in the, the room? What were yeah, you doing? Yeah, Greg Foss. Yeah. yeah, you were in the room there. Yeah. Do you remember the, the tsunamis coming? It's like all the next 24 months, like yeah. this year and next year. And that's why the interest, you know, the chart that Nick mentioned earlier that's going straight up, the interest on the U.S. debt's going like straight up. Like straight, if, when you see this thing, it's it's straight up. If you Google <laughs> St. Louis Federal Reserve interest on debt or something along that, St. Louis Federal Reserve interest expense, federal interest expense, something like that, you'll get the chart. It goes straight up. So they, they can't keep this game going. Was I supposed to be in the room for Greg Foss? Was you were. Because <laughs> oh, I think you were not in the room when I was talking or something. You're like, oh, yeah, shit, I didn't want to hear you. I can always watch the recording. I have the privilege of watching the recording after. <laughs> oh, shit. Doing important member stuff. But I guess if you were to summarize, it's watch. if inflation keeps coming down, they can't keep rates super high. But the next thing to watch is employment, because I think they're scared of employment staying high. They literally want to crush jobs. Those are like the only two Those major. Are the two big ones in central banking world. Because they, yes. they want wage inflation. Because if employment's strong, then people to keep people employed or to attract talent are going to have to offer more money. If people have more money, they'll put that into the system, which will keep Causing pressure, pressuring so you, you prices. You said they do want wage inflation. No, they, they do they, not. They don't. You said they don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, they don't want wage inflation. Because that, that's because then that that will then contribute to them putting money in the economy, buying goods, which will then put pressure on prices, moving up the whole the whole thing, right? So they're working against the common good, really. We right? don't have a crystal ball, but to me, I think two years ago we started saying this is the decade of volatility. Do you remember us talking about this? Yeah, yeah. and I think it's coming again. Like right now, everyone's like, "Holy shit, rates are going to be so high." And I just think 12 months from now, the conversation is going to be like, holy shit, can you imagine? Like, did you really think it was going to be like coming down so fast, yeah. so quick? But 12 months is a long time. And to get there from, from last you have to year, survive. That's, that's, that might be two years. And you need capital. You need to and sell a property. Capital to, 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 like, that's the downside of all this. So even if everything that, you know, that totally. we think 
comes to fruition. Doesn't mean there's not pain ahead. And it's not a straight path. It's no different than real estate prices. Don't go straight up. Like that's not the way it works. They're, you know. Yeah, like when people lost a lot in the 90s, it was because they kept holding on and holding on and thinking things were gonna get better. And then eventually they don't get better and people go bankrupt. So if anyone's listening to this and you're a real estate investor and you have some properties, like if you don't think you can survive liquidity wise, you know, whatever your comfort level is, like 12 months, 18 months, two years, you might have to sell a property. That's just how it is. You know, like you, it's not bad to sell a property. If you need to sell, this game is about survival. It's not holding every asset you own, no matter what. That will take you into the ground. Yeah, even if it's painful because- It hurts to sell. Well, because to try to get another one, a lot of times you're like, oh my God, I might not be able to get the mo- get qualified for mortgage. Like, you know, it's, there's a lot of uh, hoops to jump through. And who you knows? You want to jump through them again. And maybe they keep this bluff going for longer. Like maybe it goes on two, three years and like every like stuff starts failing, but nobody cares. And like you said earlier, Anthony, they're going to drive the whole system into the ground. Maybe that's the play and we don't know it. There's this magical CBDC waiting to be announced to save the world 18 months from now. They're just like, you know, fuck it. We're going to crash everything. And then if you want anything, you polite little Canadians, here's some CBDC. You will take our CBDC so you can buy your... So that would be like a full-on currency revaluation. Do you think they would Correct. do if they rolled out the, the CBC and like revalue the dollar and uh, kind of what I they're think, doing? I think, in like I think the inflation angle still has to play out. They yeah. got to inflate the existing one away. The CBDC would be more just the Canadian dollar. They just change the way the system structured. Same currency. Yeah, same currency, just in a d- digital form. When does it fully die and it gets inflated away to nothing. Like, I'm not looking for a time period. It's just like, what does it take? I think we're on the, like, if there's a debt spiral, it feels like we're getting sucked into the beginning of a debt spiral now. Because it accelerates, accelerates, and then as you then go it, down the spiral, it's, it just goes faster and faster and faster, right? Like when things happen in Greece, do you remember, maybe you're too young to remember this, but it was like 12 years ago when Greece had the financial crisis after the great financial that long crisis? Ago now? I yeah. think so. Wow. And people in Greece were like, they couldn't get their hands on euros. They were buying like washing machines like anything to get out of the currency. Do you remember people carrying yeah. furniture out of the stores yeah, yeah, because they just didn't want the currency? But six months before that, nobody saw it. Everything was fine. So like when it happens, it happens fast. And that's why we always talk about like have liquidity, have long-term savings in gold and Bitcoin, and have some cash flow, like some businesses, or like real wealth comes from asset ownership. So have some businesses, some real estate, have some stuff, but you kind of want your hands on all three things. And during those times, what Tom's talking about, there's not, people aren't buying properties, right? People are buying washing machines. And the reason they're buying washing machines and not parking their money in real estate is because unless you're buying a cash, during those times, there's no, there's, le- yeah, there's no banks are lending money. So you don't, you know, are you happy you have the assets at that time? Yeah. Was there a run on gold and those types of things in Greece at that time? Yeah, 100%. Same with Cyprus, that type of stuff. But there's no like, well, you know what? Now's the time for me to go buy a property because I'm going to go to the bank and get a mortgage. The bank's going to be like, like, we're locking the doors. We're shutting down bank machines and we're limiting the amount people can take out. Never mind giving you a mortgage. Like, get the hell out of here. But if there is a currency reset, like you're saying, the people who have the assets don't really care because their asset is just repriced in whatever Swiss francs or whatever the new currency is. Right, you still have the house. It's just priced in something new. Like that's what happened in Croatia a lot. Some of the banks just valued properties in Swiss francs, and they gave up mortgages in Swiss francs because they didn't trust the the local currency. So your asset's still the asset. The thing of value is still the thing of value. The dollar denomination of it could change from, you know, the local currency to another currency. So you want the thing. 
to me, a good property in a good area where you know there is a population increase is still something of value. But don't even like because we're in real estate and we, we're talking about real estate sounds, you know, that's like, yeah, raw, not, raw real estate. Yeah, but it's not even about that. Like, literally, it could be this table. Like this, this thing is going to have the value. More value than the dollar. Yeah, because there's going to be some value associated with this. And whatever the new trading instrument is. We'll have a price money, for this table. That's what it is. And we saw that with, with and you know, you've shared that too in, in uh, the, like Croatia, right? When it was part of the former Yugoslavia and went through hyperinflation at that time. Like that's just the way it worked. I don't know about your truck that you bought last year, but my truck's $5,000 more expensive. No way. This I found out my Tesla's more expensive too. Yeah, my, my you know what's interesting? My, my truck went up in price, um, I think, I don't know if it came back down because I saw yeah, a couple of days ago, they dropped the price, I guess because Tesla's now, they just, the first the one or two, the first one or two trucks came off the line. I saw the Ford drop the price of the Lightning of their, their electric truck. So, which, which I, I thought was interesting because the other prices were, were up higher. Mm. I don't know, but I know there still seems to be a shortage of cars. Yeah. I know the supply demand goes into that stuff. Like the truck I bought is super yeah. in demand because yeah, there wasn't a large supply as a new model and stuff. So that could be part of it. You know, but I don't know what their supply chain is like because I needed a can of touch-up paint for something I did. I've literally been waiting for this can of touch-up, not the can, like, you know, the little thing that you get from the dealership. It's like, it's been at least two months. So why are supply chains still messed up? I have no idea, but it's been two months. Because the big thing for like three years is COVID. Anytime there's oh, not a product. Oh, COVID. Everyone use that. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people just think that we were so globally interconnected. Now that some of the supply chains onshoring back into North America, you're breaking some of the supply chain that you can't just snap your fingers and correct overnight. So it's just going to take time to It's going to take time. And we could see worse, and it contributes to inflation. The world ahead is rocky. It's a bit wild. What's your guys' advice for people to just increase their income? just in their day-to-day -day lives? Uh, it's just skills. skills. It's like whatever skills, that, like the in-demand skills. That's find something that you like to just spend your time on and just find out where the transactions in the economy in that area are already happening and then interject yourself into the middle of them. And so no matter what it is that you like to do, find out if people are transacting and exchanging money for whatever it is you like to do, and then just stick yourself in the middle of those transactions. But it, you have to provide value and you have to be skillful to provide that value. So just invest in yourself, it, it, build your skills. Up. Yeah, the amount of money we've spent on, first it was real estate knowledge through books, but then those expensive marketing conferences and stuff, mm -hmm. those all come back to increase our skills in marketing, yeah, and enhance our real estate business. It's gotta be the skills that other people find valuable to solve a problem or fill a need or, or that type of thing. Because if your skill is something that people don't want, it doesn't matter how good yeah, you are keep at that it, as a unfortunately, hobby. It, it doesn't help, you, you know? So it's gotta be something where that other people see value in as well. So you're solving problems, you're helping people somehow, you're, you're, you're providing some sort of solution that people find valuable. Yeah. So what are the main things you guys look for when you're hiring someone? Like what are those skills? Yeah, you're really going on a tangent here with these questions. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Cause I got this little brother. <laughs> oh, communication. Do they have any good communication skills? Are they a good person? You know, are they resourceful? Are they well, resilient? I just read a cat. I was just, but how can you tell that from the, it's difficult. Sometimes I, I, I was telling Nick, we're going to just put a book at the other side of the office and say, Hey, I forgot that book over there. If you come to interview with us, can you go pick up that book? And by the speed at which you walk and how you deliver the book back <laughs> is going to, we have no good way, to, but that's what we're trying to figure out. How resourceful are you? Yeah. Sales skills. I just I was just reading a Kennedy newsletter and he was just talking about you know the, just the lack of sales and the fear of sales of sales and how valuable it is just in the world in general and I think any company which that, we also had yeah, I was scared of sales but but any company we've been into they they value 
people that have those skills because mm-hmm. really sales skills like it some people will, will attribute that to kind of a negative thing like you're kind of like forcing something on someone that that they don't need or want and that's not the case sales skills is just built about being able to educate someone and building a relationship with people so it goes back to even the communication skills and that stuff but if you can educate people and you can communicate value and you can communicate just other things and build that relationship that's what good sales people really do and any company that i've ever met would would value value those skills mm-hmm Hmm. Do you guys have like a conscious overriding like management philosophy that you guys have kind of developed between the two of you, like from 10, 10 or 12 years ago or 15 years ago, whenever you hired your first employee, like how have you, um, how have you changed your thinking about working with employees? I think it's, uh, the idea would be to do our best to provide an environment where people can continue to grow. Because I know if I'm not growing or if I'm not learning something new, I get very, very frustrated. So the idea would be, it's not like a management style. It's more, can we produce an environment that presents enough opportunities to people, whereas they continue to evolve as a person, they can still evolve into the business. That would be our style. It's not so much like a specific micromanagement versus hands-off, open-door policy versus closed-door policy. It's more, can we produce an environment that is like this entrepreneurial umbrella that people can plug into and scratch their own itch? And then if we can do that, we'll likely attract great people, good people will want to stay around, they're growing, succeeding, producing great income for themselves, and all of us flourish together. Did you have to figure that out after some time? Did you not have that in place maybe for some early employees? And you're like, damn, we should have yeah, just maybe it, we're checked too, in with them more or something like that? Sure, I think probably. But also you have to accept that when you're in a small business, you can only do so much. And when we were smaller, we would offer books. So maybe we didn't have a role to offer because we were smaller, but we could offer education. Here's this book. Here's some marketing that we're doing. Here's some sales. Here's some real estate stuff. Here's some stuff on our knowledge on money. So we could present these things to hopefully kind of get their mind going and grow. Maybe it's not changing their role, but it's presenting them and producing an environment that is allowing them to grow as a person in yeah. their own education. I think you got it. I think for me, it was just like, you know, the realization that it's not just the value, the exchange of value isn't work for money. There's got to be more provided. And, and it's not just about about that. Like, okay, well, you're here from, you know, whatever, these hours, and you need to make sure you're, you're working and I'm paying you, so this is what you do, and that's it. It's kind of, you got to give, provide more than that to people because it's not, and some people just aren't even driven by money. Like, we need money in our society the way it's structured because we got to pay our bills, but, and some people are driven by money primarily, and they care most about salary increases and how do I make more money, and some people are like, hey, like, that's good, and, you know, I'm kind of interested in that, but they want growth in other yeah. ways or they want to, certain type of environment so it's, it's just the realization that it's like if we can for me it was just it's you've got to just give people more more than that it's a it's it's not about this one-way value exchange where i'm paying you so you do this work mm-hmm. it's just like we're kind of in this stuff to, and we're not perfect at it if we're yeah. far from it and the onus isn't always on us either sometimes it's going to be people self-selecting because some people will just want to clock in and clock yeah. out and other people will just self-select to be learners and grow and kind of achieve more and then those people if we can present those people with more then it serves all of us together mm. Anthony, I kind of have to wrap up. Yeah, you got to wrap up. 
we can wrap up. We yeah. can wrap here. Anything else that you wanted to, to share? Yeah. When is uh, interest rates coming down? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That crystal ball. I don't even know what to say. The closest thing is just watch that. If inflation is now 2.8, because it's coming down, it feels like now it's coming down pretty fast. The next thing to watch is employment. And if that comes down as well, then I got to think we're closer than further away from an interest rate change. You can't have positive real rates in this debt environment. Mm-hmm. Unless you just intend to crash the entire system. I, I shouldn't say can't. Like, if you just want to cause chaos and bring the system to its knees for some other purpose, I guess you can. Inflation will bounce a little bit just because of the, like, last year's numbers. I think we even had a negative month in there last month, uh, last year. We had, like, a negative. Did we? So yeah. the comparison so year the comparison over year. It'll like, probably hit three or over three again. But oh, I, I wouldn't, like, that type of, but everyone's expecting that. So those types of moves, if people see that, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Is any upside surprise where it's like, holy crap, it's up to, like, 3.8, 3.94 again. It's like, oh, what's going on? But I don't think, uh, yeah. They, they need to kill the beast. Feels like everyone's like running from real estate almost and like, I want to buy this property this week and I feel like I'm just looking around like, like oh, I think I'm going to take this property. Like nobody else wants this thing. Like As long as you can hold it. Yeah. You know, that's the yeah. biggest thing. As long as you can, you, the, the revenue from it is satisfactory to you, then holding the asset isn't bad. It's just, you need to make sure that you're comfortable with that. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Think we can wrap. Cool. Pleasure chatting, Anthony Molnero. All right. Hope you enjoyed that episode and I hope you took something from it. If you're looking for more economic and real estate market updates from Tom and Nick, stay tuned for the upcoming Your Life, Your Terms event happening on October 14th, 2023. It's going to be our biggest and baddest Your Life, Your Terms event ever. Tom is presenting his economic update. Nick's presenting the local market update. And we have four other insane guest speakers planned that we'll be announcing soon. Stay tuned for that. If you're interested in this upcoming event, go to rockstarnercircle.com. Watch the short video on the homepage to get an idea of what these events look like and reach out to learn more about how we help Canadians live life on their own terms. These Your Life, Your Terms events are free for Rockstar Inner Circle members, and you can even bring uh, guests for free as well when you're a member. We'll have more details about the event coming to, to you soon, so stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we hope to catch you on the next episode.